Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Daniel, it's <laughs> Gloatfest 2019. <laughs> Gloatfest, that's what Joe calls this, Gloatfest uh, 2019. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Uh, we had just a, a banner day yesterday. Oh. Uh, it's going to be by far our most listened to show ever, Exonerated. Part one, where we just decimate the entire collusion scandal after the Mueller report has been released. This is part two of that. Uh, This is going to be my intention with these two shows yesterday on Monday, today on Tuesday with this two part series is to give you two hours of content entirely start to finish decimating this entire case so you have the mental ammunition you need. That's the point of this. Exonerated is also going to be the title to my second book, the sequel to Spygate. So that's where it's coming from. Listen, I got a lot to get to today. It's going to be a stack show. Let's get right to it. Amen. Today's show, I want to welcome back Freedom Project Academy. Yes, we love them. Right now, there are 50 million kids attending America's public schools. The left isn't even trying to hide it anymore. They made it clear their intentions are to indoctrinate these kids and the next generation in their ideology. Real-world skills like reading, writing, arithmetic, and American history have been replaced with social justice, gender confusion, and test-driven instruction in the classroom. Thankfully, you have a choice. And this is why Freedom Project Academy was created. Welcome them back. Freedom Project Academy is an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students in kindergarten all the way through high school. Freedom Project Academy has taken the interaction of the traditional classroom and created an online atmosphere where students across the country are instructed by live teachers in small classes who teach students how to think, not what to think. Hey, how about that? Go to uh, freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. And request your free information packet today. That's freedomforschool.com. Enroll by March 31st to take advantage of the best early bird discount. And don't forget to subscribe to the weekly podcast, The Dr. Duke Show, available on iTunes and more. Take back control of your kids' education. Freedomforschool.com. Freedomforschool.com. All right, let's get right to it. Let's start with number one. The reason I wanted to wait yesterday and not do the shows back-to-back is I needed to hear some things. One of them is I needed to hear some statements from Lindsey Graham. Uh, Lindsey Graham is one of is taking the lead on the Senate side in investigating what we now know, again, pursuant to the four-page Justice Department memo this weekend, was the biggest hoax in American history, debunked by who else other than Bob Mueller himself. The left is in tears right now about this. So getting right to it, Lindsey Graham gave a press conference yesterday, shortly after we concluded taping yesterday's show. In that, He releases three key tidbits of information about where the investigation now, now that we're on the counter-strike, folks. Mm. The time for apologizing for a fake Russian collusion scandal, not that you and I ever did that, but some in the rhino Republican class, oh my gosh, Donald Trump may have colluded with the Russians. Uh, No, you wishy-washy fool. That never happened. You should have taken a stand from day one. Lindsey Graham gave us an indication yesterday about where the investigation is going to go next. Uh, let's cue up those video cuts right there. This is important. Play cut one because he starts to indicate here why there was an anomaly about the FBI's investigation during the Trump campaign if they were so convinced the Trump campaign was being infiltrated by Russian forces. Play that cut. Me then and now. What makes no sense to me 
is all the abuse by the Department of Justice and the FBI, the unprofessional conduct, the shady behavior. Nobody seems to think that's much important. Well, that's going to change, I hope. I've been calling since the end of 2017 for a special counsel to be appointed to look at whether or not the FISA warrant process was abused for political purposes, whether or not a counterintelligence investigation was opened up regarding the Trump campaign as a backdoor to spy on the campaign. I still, to this day, am at a loss to explain why nobody went to President Trump to tell him there may be some people in your orbit that are connected to the Russians and working with the Russians. Oh, yes. <laughs> Something, Joe, uh, you and I have discussed yeah. repeatedly on the show and is yeah. a core component of book two. If the FBI was so convinced that Russian infiltrators were making inroads into a presidential campaign for Donald J. Trump, the Republican nominee and a Republican candidate while they were investigating him, then why the hell didn't they tell Donald Trump that? Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you already know this, but this is the only place you're going to hear this because nobody else seems to be covering this. This was already tried before on Senator John McCain when John McCain ran for president against Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama uh, during that first term, Barack Obama, that election, of course, he won. But remember, Hillary Clinton was a candidate in that race, too. That's Obama right. beat her in the, in the not for the nomination. That's right. Now, Paul, if you wouldn't mind throwing up that piece from Circa, this is a Circa.com piece from John Solomon from a little while ago. Talking about how isn't it awfully coincidental that the McCain campaign was accused of the exact same Russian collusion. Keep that up for a minute. The exact same Russian collusion. If you'd like to see the visual, youtube.com slash Bongino. He was accused of this already. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this tactic's already been tried. Let me read to you from the circuit.com piece. There was just one fact missing from his narrative. Exactly one decade earlier, it was McCain's own presidential campaign that was being roiled by concerns of possible Russian influence in his own inner circle, ironically with the same players. Manafort, Deripaska, Kislyak, and Putin. The same people that dominate the current Trump controversy. Ladies and gentlemen, they'd already tried this movie script, the Clinton team. The most corrupt political crime family we've seen in modern American history, the Clintons. This has already been tried before on McCain. Now, what stopped them from running full bore? Because remember, this didn't get as much attention, right, Joe? I mean, if you remember, yeah. I, I know for those of you yeah. who just got into politics recently, although this was tried against McCain, it never got the media bandwidth no. that Trump fake Russian collusion with the Russians did, right? Right. Now, matter of yeah. fact, you probably saying this is the first time I'm hearing about this. There's a reason. I didn't lose you. No. I know exactly where I'm going with this. The reason is John McCain's campaign got a defensive briefing by the FBI about potential Russian interference. And what happened? They got rid of the people and moved on. And what they thought was a story or the Clinton team or others or the Democrats thought would be a story became a eh, non-story. Lindsey Graham knows this, of course. Lindsey Graham was John McCain's friend. I'm not absolving McCain. You already know David Kramer and the McCain Institute, his role in this later on. But let's be clear on this. Lindsey Graham can be an ally here. 
Graham knows this was tried before on his friend, the now past John McCain. Mm-hmm. It stopped because the FBI went to McCain and said, we have some suspicious Russian players trying to infiltrate your team. Why wasn't that same briefing given to Donald Trump? The reason is because the FBI did not want to stop Russian infiltration, fake or real, into the Trump campaign. Because the FBI needed mythical references, Aesop's fables about Russian interference in the Trump campaign to do what? To investigate Donald J. Trump. That sucks. You're darn right it does, Daddy-O. The FBI never had any intention, the people investigating this, of stopping the mythical Russian collusion scandal because they were using it to investigate Donald Trump to spy on their campaign. This had already been tried on McCain. Don't ever forget the movie script. The 2007 Wall Street Journal article where Glenn Simpson from Fusion GPS lays out the plot and the attempt to uh, use the plot in 2008 against John McCain. All right, I got to move on. This is a stacked show today. Point number two in yesterday's presser with Lindsey Graham. He brings up this interesting tidbit that Holman Jenkins wrote an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal about yesterday that's getting almost no attention whatsoever. None. Play cut number two and pay particular attention to his reference to Loretta Lynch. Campaign? I don't know, but I'm going to try to find out. As to the Clinton email disposition, why did Comey do what he did? Why did he take over the investigation in July, make a statement that uh, she did a lot of bad things but not quite a crime? That did affect this election. And if the shoe were on the other foot, Republicans would have been pretty mad about that. What was the conflict that made Loretta Lynch so unable to preside over the Clinton email investigation? Was it just a tarmac meeting or was it more? Oh, was it more? Now, here's, you know, like we have the Devin Nunes translator (laughs) where Nunes knows the whole case, but he has to be cryptic about what he says because he doesn't want to disclose classified information because he's an honorable guy. Right. We need to start employing a Lindsey Graham translator, too, because I assure you Graham knows the whole case as well. There's a reason Lindsey Graham brought up Loretta Lynch and that tarmac meeting and asked a question, or was it something else? And it's not because Lindsey was asking a question. It's because Lindsey already knows the answer, and you have to employ the Graham translator. If you read the Holman Jenkins piece yesterday, Holman Jenkins has been all over this at the Wall Street Journal. You know where I'm going with this. Many of you haven't, so don't worry. I'll tie it right up for you in a bow. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, there's now, it's starting to spread like wildfire, um, a theory out there that Jim Comey gave that press conference, the July 5th press conference, where he goes out right before the, uh, in the summer of the election as it's heating up, Trump and Clinton. Comey gives this presser, lays out Mrs. Clinton's crimes, and then at the end says, and we're not going to prosecute her. And he says, I haven't reviewed any of this with the Justice Department. Comey essentially usurps prosecutorial power as the FBI director. Jim Comey has no power to prosecute as the FBI director at all. I hope you all understood that Mm. at the time. Mm -hmm. That is exclusively the role of the Department of Justice and government lawyers. Jim Comey headed an investigative agency, the FBI, not a prosecutorial one. 
but he usurped the powers of the Justice Department. There's a theory out there that Jim Comey fell prey to a Russian disinformation scandal and may be too embarrassed to admit it. The theory goes like this, folks. I know, Joe, you may not have heard this before. I brought it up on the show a long time ago, so you might have forgotten it. A lot of people have. I have. I have. Yeah, I've forgotten it. Graham knows what he's saying. Was that tarmac meeting central to Jim Comey's press conference or was it something else? The something else is a Russian email chain that is alleged to have been passed around and intercepted, read by Comey and others, that was fake. It was a fake information chain. The Russians putting out disinformation saying, Loretta Lynch is corrupted. She's worked a corrupt deal with the Clintons and they're going to make this whole thing go away. Mm. Track me here. Yeah, yeah. It's fake. The email's mm. fake. All right. But Comey Joe thinks he has a legitimate Russian intercepted email yep. about a Russian intercept that the Russians know Hillary Clinton and Loretta Lynch have been compromised and they've cut a corrupt deal to let her off the hook. Set up and knock down, baby. Whoa. Oh, like bowling Whoa, pins. Exactly. Like bowling pins. Oh. This is where this is where this is going next. So first, they want to know why Trump wasn't briefed because the FBI wanted to investigate Trump. Secondly, was Jim Comey himself giving that July 5th brief because Comey himself was the victim of Russian disinformation? Oh, boy, would that be embarrassing. Are you following me, folks? In other words, there's a theory out there that Comey gave the July 5th briefing because he was played by the Russians who basically sent them a fake email saying Lynch had been compromised. Lynch may very well have been compromised, but not because of that Russian email. It was a <laughs> fake. Graham already knows the answer. Read any piece by Holman Jenkins in the Wall Street Journal about Loretta Lynch. He's been on this for a long time. What's the headline for takeaway two? Remember, takeaway one, why didn't Trump get a defensive brief? Takeaway two, why did that presser happen on July 5th? Takeaway two is because Jim Comey may have been played for a fool by the Russians. Believe me, Jenkins is a skilled reporter, and Graham knows exactly what he's doing with that. All right, let's play cut three. Because this is where the investigation is going after those two items when we go on the counterattack and start to investigate the real perpetrators. Listen to what he says about how the Clinton email case was open and closed. Lickety split, just like that. I intend to get to there. How could in October, right before the election, we find out that emails on the Clinton server wind up in the hands of Anthony Weiner, and just within 48 hours, everybody's good to go. This is bizarre at best. There you go, Lindsay asking questions again, Joe, but I ask you, Joe, is Lindsay really asking questions? Let me answer that for you, Joe. The answer is absolutely not. (laughs) No. no. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I shouldn't ask you questions and answer them for you. (laughs) He is not asking questions. Let's employ the Lindsey Graham translator. Yeah. Lindsey Graham says, well, why is it that the Clinton case, remember Anthony Weiner's laptop, they get it and they find new Clinton emails right before the election. Right? Yeah. 
Lindsay's asking, well, how is it that if they had these new Clinton emails that within 48 hours, the case, the case was seemingly closed again against Hillary Clinton? How is that? Well, he's not asking. He understands exclusively, I think, himself what happened because he's been read in on this. Sorry, I'm getting a couple of tweets here, folks, uh, texting on, during the show. The FBI, you got this is going to get a little complicated. Forgive me, but I can't wrap up exonerated if you don't understand this. Okay. The FBI has alleged multiple times that they reviewed these 30,000 or tens of thousands or even thousands of emails by Hillary Clinton found on Wiener's laptop, Joe. Mm -hmm. And they allege they found no new emails. So thinking people like you, Armacost, are probably saying, let me get a pen to my head, scratch my head here. Yes. Let's see. 30,000. You guys read, forget 30,000. Let's just, let's use an even lower number. All right. You guys read 5,000 emails in 48 hours? It's amazing. Meanwhile, they found more than that. Oh. How do you know they were duplicates? So the FBI comes back and says, no, no, we employed some sophisticated software that deduplicated. In other words, pointed out where we had stuff and eliminated those. And they were like, really? What software is that exactly? <laughs> no one can seem to explain what that software is, Joe. Isn't that magic? <laughs> so a lot of entrepreneurial investigative reporters have been saying, what is this magic software you guys <laughs> used? <laughs> because nobody can seem to indicate how in mm, mm, the hell the FBI read 30,000 emails huh. in 48 hours. Well, it was called File Dog. We got it for free off the <laughs> internet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They found it on the dark web. They found it in the in the black hole dark web somewhere. While while someone was stealing credit cards, working on a credit master case, they found that's an old case we had the FBI and the Secret Service, folks. I'm sorry. File dog. I know. Then no one can explain how they did this. Lindsey Graham is not asking how they did it because I believe. Serious investigators know they didn't do it. They closed the case in 48 hours to close the case because they wanted to help Hillary Clinton, which is a political motive, not an investigative motive for the Federal Bureau of Investigations, not the Federal Bureau of Politics. Old Linz laying it out. Where is this going next? No defensive brief for Trump. Why? They briefed McCain. You know why. They wanted to investigate Trump. Points to motive. Mm -hmm. This was a great press conference yesterday. Number two. Was Jim Comey the victim of a Russian disinformation campaign? Ouch, that's going to sting. Yeah. Number three. Is the FBI lying about having read those emails from Hillary Clinton? And if they are, are they hiding emails from Hillary Clinton? Inquiring minds want to know including the inquiring minds on this show. The answers to those questions are already out there. And that's where this is going to go next. You know, my wife said to me, Paula said, um, you know, Dan, you think she actually never calls me Dan ever. I don't think my wife has ever used the name Dan ever. She has all kinds of nicknames for me and stuff. But uh, she was, you, you think this is going to wrap up soon? I said, oh, are you, are you nuts? I'm like, this has just started. I'm like, now we're done with collusion. That's a total mm -hmm. hoax. We know that. But mm -hmm. oh, no, no, no. 
Lindsay's just laying out where this is going, and it is going to be good. All right, stay tuned. I got a lot more. The next segment's going to blow your mind. I couldn't even get to this yesterday. We're going to cover a Catherine Harridge report of Fox News that is just damning, and it, uh, it begs the question again, what did Obama know, and when did Obama know it? He knew a whole lot. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at GenuCell. GenuCell, you wish that double chin would just disappear? Are those bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day? Just listen to Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas. This is an email about GenuCell. She says, I put their jawline cream on my neck about two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. My wife and my mother-in-law, who's here right now, by the way, love this stuff. GenuCell, really great products. With GenuCell's natural actives and a pure antioxidant base with no parabens, no chemical scents, and no pharmaceutical preservatives, it's a clean luxury your skin deserves every day. Order right now, and the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours absolutely free just for ordering the classic GenuCell plant stem cell therapy for bags and puffiness. It's really good stuff. Text YOUNG, like the opposite of old, because that's how you look with this stuff, to 77453. Text YOUNG to 77453 or go to GenuCell.com. With Chamonix's 100% money-back guarantee, you have only the bags, wrinkles, and the double chin to lose. Order now while three-day shipping is still free. Text YOUNG to 77453 or go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. GenuCell.com. Yes. All right. Let's get right to it. Got a lot to cover. Catherine Harridge's piece, Fox News. Major League New Texts Uncovered. Gee, how did we get these? They just seem to creep about. New text from Andrew McCabe, former deputy director and acting director of the FBI. Uh, pieces by Greg Ree should attribute uh, properly to Catherine Harridge. FBI clashed with DOJ over potential bias of source for surveillance warrant McCabe, McCabe and Page texts. Here are the two megaton bomb tier one level tactical, tactical nukes that went off on the battlefield with these texts. Text number one references, which we'll put up on the screen, a cut from the piece. This piece is available at the show notes, by the way. Please read it. OI, the Office of Intelligence. And this is from Andy McCabe. Now as a robust explanation, uh, excuse me, this is from Lisa Page to McCabe. Now as a robust explanation, read any possible bias of the CHS in the package. Don't know what the holdup now, other than Stu's continued concerns. They are likely talking about Stu Evans, Department of Justice, National Security Division, Deputy Assistant Attorney General. You're like, okay, I don't get it. What do you mean? Ladies and gentlemen, these new texts we have from FBI lawyer Lisa Page to Andy McCabe indicate that someone in the Department of Justice, there was some white knight in there. Someone in there, and I'm not uh, trying to say that this person was some kind of messiah here. Do you understand how damaging this is? This new text indicates that someone in the Department of Justice understood that the CHS, Paul, can you throw that up again? Hmm. The confidential human source. Joe, who are they referring to? Likely Christopher Steele. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This DOJ, Department of Justice uh, individual, was concerned about bias. In other words, they did not want to sign off for using this guy, and they went forward anyway. Now, this is important. They indicate that this person, Stu Evans, the DOJ's National Security Division Deputy Assistant Attorney General, could have been the one concerned about Christopher Steele being a biased source of this mm -hmm. dossier, which we now know is a hoax. Why am I bringing this up? You're like, what's the point, Dan? Who was Stu Evans' boss? John Carlin, folks, the head of the DOJ National Security Division, who also conveniently was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. How about that? How about that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, how about that, dude? 
So somebody was telling, apparently, Stu Evans or someone in the Department of Justice concerned about Christopher Steele and his bias. Hey, guys at the Bureau, we got to be careful with this source. And it was squashed. How do we know that? Because they used the source. They used his information in a FISA warrant. Where's Stu Evans? Or whoever that person is they're referring to, if it's not Stu Evans. We need Stu Evans to start speaking up. What did John Carlin tell him? Was there an order that was handed down? John Carlin was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. So for those of you asking, why isn't Bob Mueller investigating the real collusion? Because he doesn't want to. That's why. He doesn't want to tell you the real story. Neutron bomb number two. And this one's a doozy. Paul, if you don't mind, throw up that piece. Um, This is, uh, this again, again, Lisa Page writing to Andy McCabe. This time concerning a meeting with the White House. Wow. Isn't that? I thought the White House didn't know anything. What happened? (laughs) Just called, Lisa Page said to McCabe. Apparently, the Deputy Attorney General, Sally Yates, who, remember, signs the first FISA with Jim Comey, now wants to be there. And the White House wants DOJ to host. Oh, it gets good here. So we are setting that up now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is in October, before the election, October of 2016. So we are setting that up now. She's talking about the meeting. We will very much need to get Cohen's view before we meet with her. Talking about Sally Yates. Better have him weigh in with her before the meeting. We need to speak with one voice, if that is in fact the case. Cohen is likely the deputy CIA director, David Cohen. <laughs> oh, really? You know, this bombshell piece by Catherine Herridge, by the way, you again, you can read it in the show notes available at Bongino.com under the podcast link. Only was lost on Friday in the media scrum because of the bigger bombshell on Friday that Mueller had wrapped up his probe, delivered his report, and had no additional indictments. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I covered that snippet second because that snippet, I mean, entirely kneecaps politically two people. The Barack Obama White House, who we now know, well, we've known this forever. Remember, the White House is running this, that text. But now we know an additional text before the election that there was a meeting at the White House between the players in the dossier scandal, the hoax, and that John Brennan, who we'll get to a little later here, too, who said, remember, Joe, we covered a couple weeks ago, I didn't, quote, lay eyes on the dossier until September. Then why is your deputy David Cohen showing up at the White House to brief the president on a case that is only, only about the dossier? Why is that? Why is it, John? October, December. October meeting at the White House. I didn't see it till December. October meeting at the White House. I didn't see it till December. Those two stories can't be true, folks. Those two stories cannot be true. Keep in mind that first quote as well. She's talking about a confidential human source who is quite obviously Christopher Steele, Mm -hmm. right? Who is the purveyor of the dirty dossier. Brennan is a liar. That piece would have been all over the place if it was not for the other nuclear bomb that went off on Friday with Mueller and his no additional indictments. 
All right, I got a lot more. Just have, bear with me, folks. I'm just gonna I, I'm I, uh, I'm gonna read one of the, the our final uh, ads early today. These sponsors pay for the show, so I'm proud to have them here. Uh, but I just want to motor through the end of the show because this is gonna require me to to just go. So, uh, but these are great companies, and I just respectfully ask uh, your attention for it. So, thanks a lot for that. Um, G Code, finest holster company out there. Love G Code. I'm a Second Amendment supporter. You need a good holster, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to have a quality firearm, but if you don't have a quality holster to go with it, you're going to run into all kinds of trouble. Uh, their Phenom, by the way, their holster called the Phenom is absolutely fantastic. Listen, depending on the state you live in, the concealed carry laws, you want to protect your family when you go out, which is why you need a great holster to properly holster your firearm. For more than 20 years, G Code has produced what many consider to be the finest holsters in the industry today they lead the pack clearly they are 100 american made products all materials components are sourced right here in the u.s the owners of g-code holsters are military veterans and they are meticulous about quality innovation and worksmanship these are fantastic holsters can't recommend them enough excellent drives everything excellence drives everything they do and every product comes with a lifetime warranty whether you're military law enforcement or civilian g-code has a holster for you Check out the all-new G-Code Phenom, which I just told you about. They're in the waistband holster. It's a game changer. It's a game changer for comfort and concealability. This is a must-have holster. Order online at range5.com. That's range, the number 5.com, range5.com. Be sure to use the code Bongino for 15% off. Go to range5.com. Use promo code Bongino for 15% off. You're going to love, love, love this holster. The feedback has been terrific. Okay. Moving on. Um, number three, I want to go through story number three, the dossier quickly. And I want to hat tip Rowan Scarborough for an older piece, the Washington Times, uh, because we're talking about this dossier yesterday and today. And to do a well done two part series, we have to describe a lot of people email me and said, Dan, I don't even know what's in the dossier. And how do we know it's false? We're going to go through it point by point. But we're going to do it quick because I've done this before. Mm -hmm. This piece is in the show notes. If you want a more thorough review, it's a Washington Times piece, Rowan Scarborough. Read it in the show notes today. All of this is there. But your friends who are telling you that the dossier has been verified, pieces of it have been verified, are lying to you. Yeah. None of it has been verified. We now know the Mueller probe's closed. The dossier was the FBI case. It was the collusion case. Mueller says collusion doesn't exist. Therefore, the dossier, by logic, is all crap and garbage. Okay, uh, let's put up point number one, accusation number one. Again, hat tip Rowan Scarborough. Accusation number one from the dossier. The Trump campaign was a partner in a, quote, extensive conspiracy with the Kremlin to interfere in the 2016 election. That is now conclusively false. How do we know it's false, Joe? Because the left's messiah, Bob Mueller, told us it was false. Yep. There was no, quote, extensive conspiracy. $35 million, tens of thousands of man hours, subpoenas, pen registers, search warrants, arrests, testimonies, foreign trips. And Bob Mueller came up with how much evidence of an extensive conspiracy to collude with the Russians? Zero. A big fat, <laughs> a big fat egg, a donut, a Zippo, a waffle with a middle cut out. Nothing. Accusation number two. Then Trump attorney Michael Cohen. Secret, I can't get over this. I, I, I can't believe we're going to secretly traveled to Prague <laughs> to meet with Putin aides, organize cash payments to hush up hackers who infiltrated the Democrat Party computers. False. This is false. This did not happen. 
Cohen has testified under oath. His Clinton acolyte attorney, Lanny Davis, who's a Clinton butt kisser, has that's Cohen's attorney, has also put it out in the public. This did not happen. <coughs> Excuse me. Cohen has never been to Prague. Done. So accusation number one, extensive conspiracy, false. Accusation number two, Cohen coordinated the conspiracy by going to Prague, false. Moving along, accusation number three. Oh, gosh, so stupid. <laughs> Carter Page met with two Putin operatives. I know, it's like hysterical. And discussed a brokerage fee in return for pushing an end to U.S. sanctions on wealthy Russians and businesses. This is false. Carter Page has never met with these people. According to his own testimony, Carter Page has never been charged. Carter Page has never met the people alleged that he engaged in this corrupt bargain with from this company, Rosneft. It didn't happen. He did not meet with these people. Carter Page has not been charged with any crime ever. If Carter Page had been engaged in a corrupt bargain, a bribery attempt by foreign nationals, Carter Page would have been charged by Bob Mueller. The Mueller probe is closed. Carter Page was never arrested or charged with any crime. This dossier accusation, Joe, can you play that? I like that. Is false. <laughs> Sorry. It's kind of childish, but I like it. I, like it I mean, I love it. Is that? It's great. All right. Uh, we have another one, Paula. How many more do we have? Three. Okay. Go to the next one. Thank you. Sorry. I mean it. Oh, that's it. Okay, just three. Oh, yeah. Th that those are the key components of the dossier. I'm sorry, <laughs> I had sent them to my wife, and she, I'm, I'm throwing everybody for a loop because I want to pack so much in on the show. Those are the three accusations. There's more in there about Manafort as well, but I suggest you read the whole piece. That Manafort met with Michael Cohen before he went to prison. None of this happened. Cohen doesn't. That's not true. That's completely not true. Okay, so the dossier out. All right, let's move on. I want to, again, express to you how damaging this is going to be, this entire case, to people who've invested their entire professional credibility in this. Let's go on to John Brennan. Okay, let's play video cut one. This is John Brennan just about a week ago on um, MSDNC with Lawrence O'Donnell. John Brennan, former head of the CIA, a disgraced, disturbed individual on there talking about how the Mueller probe Mueller probe, which on Friday released no indictments or no sealed indictments. This is him talking about the Mueller probe. What a disgrace. For example, this week on Friday, not knowing anything about it, but Friday is the day that the grand jury indictments come down. And also this Friday is better than next Friday because next Friday is the 15th of March, which is the Ides of March. And I don't think Robert Mueller will want to have that dramatic uh, flair of the Ides of March when he is going to be delivering what I think are going to be his indictments, the final indictments, as well as the report that he gives to the attorney general. What makes you believe that he has more indictments? Um, because he hasn't addressed the issues related to criminal conspiracy as well as any individual criminal conspiracy involving the Russian and Russians. Yes. Yeah. I think it was very and, and that's an area American person, you know, U.S. person. That's an area, you know, something about that. That investigation was developing while you were still on the job. Well, it was in terms of looking at what was going on with the Russians and whether or not U.S. persons were actively collaborating, colluding, cooperating and involved in a conspiracy with them or not. Uh, but also if there's going to be any member. Did of you the see Trump enough family, at that stage to believe that there would now 
that that would result in indictments once investigated? I, I thought at the time that there was going to be individuals who were going to have uh, issues with the Department of Justice. Yes, and I think we've already seen a number of individuals who have been indicted, either have pled guilty or have been convicted now. So, I, again, I don't have any inside knowledge. I'm not talking with anybody in special yes, counsels. Yes, you do. You have the inside but, knowledge. But, but of not what, about the status of, of the investigation right now. Yeah. But I do think also if anybody from the Trump family, an extended family, is going to be indicted, it would be in the final act of Mueller's investigation, because Bob Mueller and I think his team knows that if he were to do something, uh, indicting a Trump family member, or if he were to go forward with indictment on criminal conspiracy involving U.S. persons, that would basically be the death knell of the special counsel's office, because I don't believe that Donald Trump would allow uh, Bob Mueller to continue in the aftermath of those types of actions. John Brennan, thank you very much. Uh, You have to listen to every word in the John Brennan answer. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Listen to this goofball. (laughs) So last week, he is still making allegations about an extended conspiracy. Uh, Let me use different words. An extensive conspiracy between Trump and the Russians. And there were going to be additional indictments, including potentially Trump's kids. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, where does that extensive conspiracy appear? In the dossier point I just showed you from the Rowan Scarborough piece, the only, I cannot emphasize this enough. If you missed yesterday's show, you have to watch them both. Please, I'm begging you, humbly asking you to do that. The only place this extensive conspiracy, which has now been debunked, exists, is in the dossier John Brennan claims he didn't see till after the election. He is still married to this thing. It's fake. Once the dossier was debunked, the whole case disappeared like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in water. It's over. It's over, John. You got destroyed. Now, why is Brennan in a world of trouble right now? Brennan is in a world of pain right now. Paul, if you don't mind, throw up that screenshot. John Brennan talking to Trey Gowdy. This is interesting. Brennan still to this day is claiming that he doesn't know anything about the dossier or hadn't, quote, laid eyes on it till after the election, after the election, basically in December. But as you can see from what he tells Trey Gowdy, Gowdy asks him back in May 23rd of 2017, Gowdy says to him, hey, do you know who commissioned the Steele dossier? Hat tip Epic Times, by the way. I don't, Brennan replied. So Brennan, still to this day, May 23rd, 2017, in in sworn testimony, is up on the Hill telling a member of Congress at that time, Trey Gowdy, that he has no idea who commissioned the Steele dossier. Is that right? You may say, okay, Dan, so he's lying. Of course he probably knew Christopher Steele commissioned the dossier. Folks, please tell me you're following me. I did this in order for a reason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Catherine Herridge piece. Mm -hmm. There's a text from an FBI lawyer to McCabe that the deputy director of the CIA works for Brennan is going to be at a briefing meeting at the White House about this particular case where they're concerned about a confidential human source in another text. He works for Brennan. Brennan is still married to this collusion scandal. The dossier has been debunked. Brennan tells Trey Gowdy, I didn't know anything who commissioned the dossier up until... You know, uh, she still doesn't know. May 23rd of 2017. Paul, if you don't mind, throw up the second screenshot. 
This is from The Guardian. Hat tip The Guardian. According to one account, GCHQ, that's the British NSA's, then head Bob Hannigan, passed material in the summer of 2016 to the CIA chief, John Brennan. The matter was deemed so sensitive it was handled at the director level. After an initially slow start, Brennan used GCHQ information and intelligence from other partners to launch a major interagency investigation. Bob Hannigan conveniently knows who Christopher Steele is. But even more damning information, ladies and gentlemen, John Brennan in August of 2016, before the election, after he receives this information in, quote, the summer of 2016, goes up to Capitol Hill to brief the Gang of Eight on it. Harry Reid is in that briefing. Harry Reid gets that briefing, and Harry Reid then writes a letter to the FBI telling them to investigate Donald Trump. And what appears in that letter? Allegations that appear only in the dossier. Are you tracking me now? Oh, John yes. Brennan is in a world of trouble. Yes. I have no doubt that John Brennan lied. John Brennan lied about knowing who commissioned the dossier. John Brennan lied about when he first, quote, laid eyes on the dossier. It appears more than likely now that Brennan briefed Harry Reid on components of the dossier that he got from the United Kingdom's own people. Hmm. That dossier was then used by Harry Reid in a letter to the FBI to push to double down on the investigation into Donald Trump. John Brennan is in a world of trouble right now. It's not just John Brennan. Obviously, the White House is in trouble as well, as we saw from that Catherine Herridge piece. Now we know there were briefings at the White House. We know the CIA was involved in those briefings. We know the FBI in those same briefings says they want to speak with one voice. What voice is that? The dossier? Was it speaking? Was it speaking in tongues? What voice were they talking about? Someone else is in trouble too, folks. Joe, if you cue up that cut of uh, Jim Clapper, this is Jim Clapper and a phone interview with Anderson Cooper. And I want you to listen at the end where Clapper, I think, senses he's in a world of trouble. This is from a while ago, a couple months back. And Clapper throws someone under the bus here, whether he knows it or not. This is pretty damning audio. Play that cut. The, the 2017 assessment that the president says he now agrees with, that was done while you and then CIA Director John Brennan were still in office. So how can we reconcile the president attacking you, but apparently after a very long time, finally allegedly saying or saying he allegedly agrees with the product of the intelligence community that you yourself oversaw? Yeah, well, this is, uh, as we've come to know the president, he's not uh, a stalwart for uh, consistency or, co or coherence. So it's, it's very hard to explain uh, that. One point I'd like to make, Anderson, I don't think has come up very much before, and, and I'm alluding now to uh, the president's criticism of President Obama for all that he did or didn't do uh, before he left office with respect to the Russian meddling. If it weren't for President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did that set off a whole sequence of events which are unfolding today, notably Special Counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama is responsible for that, and it was he who tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment uh, in the first place. I think that's an important point when it comes to critiquing President Obama. 
Oh, Jimbo. Oh, oh, Jimmy. Jimmy boy. Jimmy C. Jimmy C. Jimmy C. Jimmy two times. Jimmy's in a little bit of trouble here. Yeah. Jimmy just threw Obama on the bus. Now, we used this cut before. I bring it up now, now that the case is concluded, because he says something here. I don't know if you caught it. He's talking about the ICA, the Intelligence Community Assessment, mm-hmm. that well, where they said, hey, the Russians uh, uh, tried to hack into the, uh, tried to interfere in the election, basically, right? Mm-hmm. The intelligence community assessment, though, was about the Russians, not about the Trump campaign. I want to be careful here. Now, they indicated that they wanted to help the Trump campaign, which the NSA ironically didn't agree to. The Russians, that is, in this assessment. In Mm -hmm. other words, the assessment said the Russians tried to interfere in an election. They wanted to help Trump. Those of those 17 agencies, a few of them concurred with this. A couple, notably Mike Rogers and the NSA, were suspicious of some of its findings. But Joe, now that we know the Trump campaign turned down offers, turned down, according to Mueller's own report. That's right. Offers by Russians to help them. In other words, they wanted nothing to do with the Russians. That's right. It's clear that although this intelligence community assessment may have had some merit that the Russians don't like us, it had nothing at all to do with the Trump campaign. Please follow me here because he says something in that clip that now makes a world of sense. Clapper was covering his butt. He says Obama asked for that assessment that essentially set off a sequence of events that led to the Mueller probe. Oh, oh, oh. Really? What were that sequence of events? Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is no sequence from there to the Mueller probe. <laughs> The Mueller probe was taking over the counterintelligence investigation into Trump. But we now know that this was all bogus. The Trump team didn't collude with the Russians at all. So what the hell does the ICA have anything to do with the Trump campaign? And why didn't Mueller conclude that right away? The answer is the ICA and the intelligence community assessment that Jim Clapper is knee or neck deep in is now throwing Obama under the bus over was used when they found out the dossier was likely going to be false as a predicate to keep the investigation into going, go Kim continuing the investigation of Trump going and setting off the quote sequence of events that would appoint a special counsel to keep the investigation going into Trump in perpetuity into his presidency. Remember, It was Barack Obama himself in that Rose Garden speech who said, nobody's going to interfere with our elections. It's not even possible. Right. Folks, tell me you're following me here. This is important now. Now that Mueller's concluded this collusion thing is a hoax, Clapper makes a connection between Obama's request for this intelligence community assessment and the Mueller probe. These things should have had nothing to do with one another. The fact that the Russians interfered in our election could have been an entirely separate investigation. Are you tracking me Mm -hmm. into the Russians? Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with it. It's like saying, I'm going to investigate Joe Armacost because the Russians interfered in our election. You'd be like, well, why? Well, because I think he had something to do with it. But he didn't. (laughs) All they had was the dossier to make the connection between the Russians and Trump. When the dossier fell apart, they needed the ICA. That's why the intelligence community assessment mentions, well, you know, I think they wanted to help support the Trump team. Bingo, Bob Mueller gets appointed. Clapper inadvertently throws him under the bus. Now, Clapper has a lot more to worry about as well. 
Paula, can you throw up that screenshot here? This is important as well. This is Jim Comey's own words himself. Sorry, the screenshot's a little grainy. Jim Comey says he's talking about the chief of staff. He says, at the conclusion of our session, the chief of staff asked her whether there's anything else we haven't mentioned that they should know or that might come out. I said there was something that Clapper wanted me to speak to the president-elect about alone or in a very small group. Ladies and gentlemen, these are Jim Comey's own words. Jim Clapper asked him in January of uh, 2017, Jim Clapper asked Comey to brief him about some elements of the dossier. All right, so you're like, I don't get it. So Jim Clapper is the director of national intelligence. He's asking them to brief him. Why would he do that? I'll explain to you. Put up this. Uh, put up that second uh, screenshot there, and then this will make a world of sense while Jim Clapper is in a world of trouble. Here are some findings from the House report. Jim Clapper, when he was questioned about leaks to the media, I'll tie these together in a second, when initially asked about leaks related to the intelligence community assessment in July of 2017, Former DNI Clapper flatly denied discussing the dossier or any other intelligence related to Russia hacking of the 2016 election uh, with journalists. Clapper subsequently acknowledged discussing the dossier with CNN journalist Jake Tapper and admitted that he might have spoken with other journalists about the same topic. Clapper's discussion with Jake Tapper took place in early January 2017, the same time IC leaders briefed Obama and President-elect on the Steele information. He's lying. Remember that uh, DuckTales? Remember DuckTales? <laughs> Ooh, remember that? I used to watch that when I was a kid. I'd, uh, I'd, I love DuckTales. It was uh, what, Huey, Louie, and, and Doofus, or whatever the name was, and Scrooge McDuck, yeah. and he'd swim in all the gold coins. And uh, Scrooge McDuck, they found that harp that time, and whenever you were lying, he said, you are lying, lying, lying. He would say, well, Jim Clapper, <laughs> you are lying, daddy-o. Jim Clapper asks Jim Comey, this is slick, to brief Trump on components of the dossier. Why, Joe? Because the dossier is false. Clapper has to know this by now. So does Comey. But they need components of the dossier to leak into the media. Why, Joe? Because they needed a special counsel appointed. Remember that sequence of events Clapper's referring to? Ah, yes. They need the dossier in the media to generate a public outcry to have Trump investigated. But they can't get the dossier into the media. Why, Joe? Because the media knows it's a hoax, too. And they're suspicious of it. So clever, clever move by Clapper. Evil, but clever. He tells Jim Comey, go brief Trump about the dossier. Comey said it in his own words. You just saw Mm -hmm. the cut. Clapper told him to do it. The PE, the president-elect, brief him about it. Clapper then leaks to Jake Tapper at CNN components of that briefing then the story becomes what joe don't worry we don't have to print the dossier we can just print the president was briefed about this really bad information and bingo what happens right around the same time buzzfeed says well let's just put the information out there right boom the dossier gets out into the public and what happens of course uh, uh an outcry happens People start screaming Trump colluded with the Russians. And months later, after Trump is inaugurated, you have the appointment in the sequence of events 
of Bob Mueller to continue to harass Trump for 675 days. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're getting it. Brennan's in trouble because he lied about when he saw the dossier. That's clear as day now. He lied about knowing who authored the dossier. Clapper's in trouble because he said he never said anything to the media about the dossier or the ICA. But then when questioned on the oath, he admits, well, I spoke to Jake Tapper right around January of 2017. Conveniently, the same time he told Jim Comey to go brief Trump on the dossier that became a main component of a CNN story run right after that about President Trump's briefing about the dossier. Slime balls everywhere. Oh, boy. All right. One final note. Um, I want to throw this in. Hat tip to my source. Uh, You know who you are. Good guy. I neglected to talk about one final strategic stroke of genius with Rosenstein yesterday. It wasn't intentional, by the way. It was just so much information to get out. And I had taken a, a, a um, I'll just leave that out. I, I knew some things, let's just say. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> I mentioned yesterday on the show that President Trump's stroke of political genius was getting Rod Rosenstein to put his John Hancock or his imprimatur his name in the final exoneration letter from the DOJ exonerating him both of obstruction of justice and collusion. The one we saw that came out this weekend. That letter has names Rosenstein and Bill Barr. I said, what a political stroke of genius considering the fact that Rosenstein's signature also appears on the fourth FISA, the last renewal that gave President Trump, that gave the FBI permission to spy on President Trump despite the fact they already knew this dossier was junk. They had to. It had never been verified. But one of my uh, buddies emailed me and said, you know, Rod Rosenstein's John Hancock appears on a couple other things, too. (laughs) This was good, which is right. But I should have just laid it out more clearly yesterday. So we not only have Rosenstein signing the fourth Pfizer, Joe. In other words, hey, go ahead and continue to spy Mm -hmm. on the Trump team. Rosenstein also signed the memo that that fired Jim Comey. Rosenstein wrote the memo that fired Comey. (laughs) Did you forget that, folks? Rosenstein did it. Remember, after firing Comey, that's what they thought was obstruction of justice on Trump's behalf? Rosenstein's the one who wrote the memo. Third, the scope memo, giving Mueller expanded powers to investigate Trump, was signed by Rosenstein, too. (laughs) You understand what a genius move by Trump? The same guy involved in the spying, involved in the uh, firing of Comey, and the investigation afterwards into the firing of Comey, the obstruction memo that I believe is in the expanded scope memo, the same guy who signs this also signs his name or puts his name on a memo exonerating Trump of all of this in the end. Nice move, POTUS. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a way to put a cherry on top of all these idiots that came after him. I said last week, this is the greatest spy story ever told, except the characters are imbeciles. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, there is no James Bond in this. There is no Jack Ryan. There may be Ryan Jack or Bonder James, but there ain't no James Bond and there ain't no Jack Ryan. And the imbeciles are all being exposed. And the guy who took up his, his, his shield, shields high, and went to war with the Democrat establishment, the media establishment, the foreign policy establishment, and every anti-Trump lunatic consultant and swamp rat Republican in D.C. 
and won in the end and beat all of them at their own game was Donald J. Trump. Nice work, Mr. President. You won. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please share these shows. It means a lot to me. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. You can subscribe free. And please check out our video show, too, the video of the show, youtube.com slash Bongino. Please subscribe. It's all free, folks. We really appreciate it. You're such a great audience. I really appreciate your feedback. It means the world to me. I, I really can't say that enough. Thank you. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.